0: Lucas on Life Hello and welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. The headlines this week have been dominated by those Oscars. And as we all know, the news had little to do with best actor or best movie. If you happen to be one of the tiny minority who's managed to miss all the fuss, Let me summarise what happened for you. After comedian Chris Rock made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith's hairstyle, she's battled alopecia, her husband Will Smith walked up on stage and gave Mr. Rock a pretty hefty slap. And there was a subsequent drama too. Shouting profanities from his front row seat, Will Smith continued with a verbal assault. There followed a tearful apology from Smith that didn't name Mr. Rock, and then a follow-up apology that did. Social media has been jumping for the rest of the week, some applauding Smith because he defended his wife, others condemning such a gratuitous show of violence. It's just my opinion, of course, but I fall into the latter category. Sadly, people follow the fashion choices and the lifestyle choices of their heroes and icons. I imagine a few young men and women may be more encouraged to hand out a slap when someone says or does something they don't like. So, what has this got to do with us? Well, the root of this drama is that Smith was offended for his wife, and that's what drove him to do what he did. Offense births anger, and anger stirs violence. Come to think of it, there's been a lot of talk about offendedness lately in the drama that's a billion times more important than the Oscars kerfuffle. As President Joe Biden made off-the-cuff, off the cue comments about President Putin this week, suggesting he shouldn't stay in leadership and calling him unpleasant names, the White House desperately tried to roll back the comments, which Biden stuck by. The concern was that it's not a good idea to offend an irrational chap who has a couple of thousand nukes. Offendedness. It's at the Oscars, it's on the global political stage, and it breaks out in the church a lot too. So we need to reflect upon it. Tonight on Lucas on Life, we're talking about being offended. I hope no one will be offended as we do. Stay with me. It's confession time. One of the ministers at our church irritates me. He's probably a nice enough chap, but I'm finding his preaching rather boring and he preaches a lot. Sometimes I groan when I know it's him again. I'm sure he works hard at sermon preparation and he probably sincerely wants to impact people for God. He tries really hard, peppering his talks with anecdotes and warm humor. But recently, I got to the point where I decided that if I had to listen to him preach just one more time, I might end up breaking something. The trouble is, there's absolutely nothing I can do about it because the irritating preacher is me. It's one of the drawbacks of a busy speaking ministry. I get to listen to myself a lot. When I'm home in Colorado, I hear myself preach the same message four times over in a weekend. The same outline, the same points, even the same spontaneous humor. It gets old hearing me. Recently, I shared my frustration with my ever-patient wife, Kay. I preach so much, I get sick of the sound of my own voice, I muttered. She proffered a smile of quiet resignation, but her words didn't bring much comfort. Yes, darling, she said. I understand completely how you feel. So, it came as a welcome relief to go to a church and, for a change, hear somebody else preach. We decided to visit a local church that's from a denomination quite different from our own. There's no soft rock worship there, but the throaty tones of an ancient pipe organ. The smell of incense hangs heavy in the air, which presents me with the challenge of coughing reverently. And the minister has that sing song, parsonical voice. When it comes to style, it's Mars to our Venus. But as we made our way in through the ancient porch, I whispered a note to self. I love diversity. Years of involvement in events like Spring Harvest have surely taught me that my way is not the highway, that I have so much to learn from Christians who express their faith in an unfamiliar style. Our differences are to be celebrated and respected, I surely learned or so I thought I'd learned. Slipping into an unyielding wooden pew, waiting for the service to begin, I suddenly realized that I was irritated with myself again, and I wasn't even preaching today. To my horror, I discovered that I was already anticipating that I would bristle at what was about to happen. I'd surely tup up at the slightly out-of-tune organ. I'd be frustrated with that clerical voice, and I'd definitely be bored by the sermon, which I'd already decided would be desperately dull. I was warming up to be offended before the proceedings had even begun. What was wrong with me? The service began with a kind welcome, the singing got underway, and then it was time for the sermon. I settled back and got ready to be frustrated by the tedium to come. But to my amazement, the sermon, the talk was brilliant, accessible, biblical, and engaging. The minister spoke with clarity and confidence. It was just outstanding. But here's the part I'd rather keep to myself. As we navigated our way through the final hymn, The Organ Pitch Perfect, I realized that I was actually disappointed to not be disappointed. How sick is that? I'd gone to church anticipating that I wouldn't like it, and then I felt deflated because my prejudices had not been confirmed. I was offended because I had no reason to be offended. The service was over, we filed out, and I shook the minister's hand and thanked him for such a wonderful sermon. There's a certain myopia that comes with the critical heart. We decide that we don't like somebody or come to a quiet negative conclusion about the church we attend, and then the filtering begins. When we see a fault, we zoom in on it, triumphantly holding it up as Exhibit A, evidence that proves we're in the right, which is where we like to be. In the right, or like me, we book our tickets for a seat in the offended section well in advance, but then we ignore or minimalize the good things that the person or church does, or even bristle when someone we've tagged as suspect actually does something that's great. Yikes, we can't have that, it implies that we might actually be wrong about them. And so, I'm back to being irritated with that minister at our church again, the one called me. And it's not just because I get to hear my voice a lot, but because I don't want a pompous, judgmental heart. This much is certain. If I hear me preach a sermon on being negative and critical anytime soon, I need to be the first in line to respond. I need to get over being offended. Talking about being offended, I was recently offended while mobile Travelling by train to London, I decided to make the best use of time and do some emails, even perhaps a little writing. Tiny fold-down tables are provided for parking laptops, tables that are meant to be shared, hence the source of my frustration, my offendedness. The man sitting opposite me was taking up about 60% of the table space, leaving just 40% for me. I was quietly outraged. But there's more, because that brazen table hogger placed a steaming hot cup of coffee on the table as well, taking up yet more space. I calculate about 67.25%, and then risking third-degree burns to yours truly if the juddering train should happen to topple the cup. Now, I was actually planning for that toppling, mentally rehearsing a withering speech should I end up being scalded. I was actually prophetically offended, planning a retort should something happen that was probably unlikely. But I'm not alone in my bristling, my offendedness, because it seems like we've become a culture that has perfected the art of being offended. Our politicians and leaders often descend into acerbic jibing, which is a concern. Some years ago, the journalist Janet Street Porter wrote that we have become shouty Britain, and I feared that it's got worse since she coined that phrase. Ironically, surely our verbosity is perhaps only matched by our fragility. Some time ago, Gary Lineker, he of football and crisp fame, made a casual comment about his bald co-presenters, who found it amusing, only to discover that complaints were made, which is staggering, and I say that as one with a hairstyle that is a shrinking peninsula. A couple of days later, an American television host reported that young Prince George had taken up ballet and suggested that his interest in dance might not last long, which triggered rage among ballet lovers everywhere. They demanded an apology and suggested that she was guilty of bullying. Opinions may differ about the wisdom of her comment, but I think that those who suggest that we're becoming a snowflake society where everyone is perpetually offended, they might actually have a point. Banter is part of our culture, especially in the realm of comedy. There are some comedians who have no thought for people who genuinely suffer. I think of one famous chap who has sick jokes about children dying of cancer and starving African children, and I don't think there's any excuse for that. But surely we can take things too far. Some people seem to live their entire lives permanently camped on the brink of being offended. They probably got upset with the midwife who delivered them, irritated by entering the world only to begin life by having their bottoms smacked. Offendedness can be weaponized. It can be used as a nifty ruse. Instead of stamping our feet and huffing and puffing with childish petulance, we implore the trembling bottom lip routine and cry that we're offended. And then when others dash to appease us, we become the victor while disguising ourselves as the aggrieved victim. And then Christians have an extra weapon that can upgrade a pop gun of offense into the relational equivalent of a cannon: God himself. Upset at the sermon, the worship song, the service time, the pew arrangement, not being included in the flower rota, if you love being offended, join a church. There's no shortage of issues that can irritate. But then we insist that our preference or opinion mirrors God's opinion on that matter. The Lord of the cosmos is called as a witness for our prosecution. Back on that train, the chap who was sitting opposite me was in serious danger. He finished his coffee, so I was denied the opportunity to be scolded and thus be scolding, but he was inching his laptop yet further into my already minuscule table territory. Being offended, sometimes it's just about territory and selfishness, and bluntly, that's childish and somewhat pathetic. Well, tonight we've been considering the epidemic that seems to be sweeping across our culture. I'm not talking corona, I'm talking being offended. So let's ask ourselves, do we live just beneath our skin, waiting to be upset by something? Do we relish the opportunity to complain? Do we get irritated by small things that really actually don't matter? And when we are irritated, do we rush to insist that God agrees with us in our opinions? When things change in our church, do we get offended just because things are different? Do we insist that things are done our way? Do we need to even apologize for the way we've acted? Because offendedness can cause anger, which then gives birth, as we've seen, to televised violence and then embarrassment. Church divisions and even the escalation of global hostilities, offendedness. Let's get over it. See you next time. Lucas on Life.